0: In 2011, my parents got my brother, Brad, a puppy for Christmas. Now, he had always wanted a Brittany dog, and he always wanted to name him Jake. And he, he was about to have the best Christmas ever, So I knew about this special gift and I was so excited for his surprise. So Christmas morning came and we opened all of our gifts. And then all of a sudden, a lot of my family, like my extended family started showing up at our house. And Bradley was really confused because usually Christmas morning is just me, him, and my mom and dad. And then after lunch, then we'll go out and see family. So he was really confused why everyone was coming to the house so early. So Brad and I were sat down on the couch and my mom and dad first told me to close my eyes and when I opened them there was a laptop in front of me and I was so surprised. I had no idea that I was also getting a big present. I was so fixed on Bradley's gift that that's all I thought about and I never even thought about me getting a gift. And so I was, like, really excited about this gift. I really wanted a laptop, and I got one. So then they told Bradley to close his eyes. And so as, they, as he was closing his eyes, my dad went out and grabbed the puppy and brought him in. And had, the, Jake was pretty big at this point. Um, and uh, brought him in, and Jake was squirming all over the place trying to figure out what's going on. And uh, so then we told Bradley to open his eyes. And the, his face was the perfect mixture of sheer excitement, shock, and instant love for this dog. It was a magical moment. We have it on video, and it's just like, like he is just so excited for it. Leading up to this time, my parents were telling us how proud of us they were and explained the unconditional love that they had for Brad and I. They gave us things that neither of us were expecting, and they were given not because we had to work for their love, but because they already loved us, no matter what mistakes that we had made, which were a lot, and no matter how many times we got ourselves in trouble, which was a lot, um, but they loved us unconditionally. And now because of that, Brad and I live out the love that our parents gave us by demonstrating the love and respect back to them every chance that we get, and also by telling others about the unconditional love that they gave us and continue to give us. The subject that we're going to be talking about today is made for more purpose, And we will be reading from Philippians chapter 2. But before we start reading, I want to give you some background to what happened in or some background to this letter that was written by Paul the Apostle. So throughout Paul's letter to to the Philippians, sorry, his writing overflows with joy and thankfulness, even though he's writing from prison. He's writing from prison. And he taught that the joy of the gospel should rule over our lives regardless of our circumstances. And Paul thought that he, like Paul assumed that he might die, honestly. Like he was prepared to die. He was prepared to be executed. And even though he knew that he could die, he had joy. His imprisonment could have led him to despair, but instead he chose to give thanks, to be content, and to rely on God's strength. And Paul advised the Philippians to take the same approach, urging them to stand firm together for the gospel. And in the first chapter of Philippians, Paul is telling them how to stand strong against external conflicts. But now in the second chapter, which is what we are about to read, he tells them how to stand against internal conflicts in the body of Christ and how our purpose in life as Christians is to live like and for Jesus in everything that we do. My first point today is that we have a purpose to achieve, a purpose to achieve. So let's read from Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 12. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important work hard to show the results of your salvation obeying God with deep reverence and fear for God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you live clean Innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then, on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain, and that my work was not useless. Throughout these verses, Paul is explaining that each of us has a purpose, and that purpose is to achieve. Achieve what, you might ask? Well, achieve salvation. Salvation means being rescued by God from the consequences of our wrongdoing, of our sin. God wants to save us from sin so we do not have to live in it any longer and instead live a righteous life for him. But before I go any further, I want to give a disclaimer here. Achieving salvation does not mean that we should work for our salvation meaning we do not work and therefore achieve it on our own. We do not achieve salvation on our own. Jesus freely gives salvation to us, whether we've worked for it or not. We have achieved it from Jesus freely giving it to us. Basically, what Paul is saying here is that we are to work hard to show the change in us because we are saved by Jesus. Being saved by Jesus means that there is a life change. And this change, by the way, does not come before salvation. Because we can try all we want, but we can never be good enough to be saved by Jesus. We cannot get our acts together perfectly in order to be flawless in front of the king without his help. If we could, well then there was no point in what Jesus did on the cross, As the ultimate sacrifice. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, we can now come to God's throne and he will see us as righteous when we allow Jesus to be our Lord and Savior over our entire lives. And then he will help us to live like Him. It's not come to God, or not is not come to God thinking that you have to be perfect already. It's come to God in our brokenness and then he will heal us. And this new life should not be taken lightly. So many people take this new life lightly, thinking, oh, I'm a Christian because I said a prayer, and then that's it. We, ha- we cannot take this lightly here, but we should, li- we should be diligent in our work to become more like Jesus, and this should be evident throughout our- all of our lives So Paul wasn't telling the Philippians to work out their salvation in the sense of accomplishing it or achieve it on their own, but to work out their salvation, to see it evident in every area of their lives, to live out that salvation that God has freely given them and us. So what are the results of salvation? What should salvation look like in each and every one of our lives? Well, Paul explains this pretty well in verses 14 to 16. We must live in such a way that we do not complain and argue. Verse 14, it says, Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one will criticize you. Complaining and arguing had been a problem in the church at Philippi. It was a big problem at that time, and it had spoiled their fellowship and dulled their witness. I mean, think about it here for a second. Churches are called to be humble, obedient to God, and unified together, not divided or arguing. And if people outside of the church see the negative lifestyle, then this is really going to hurt our witness to them. Such patterns that promote disunity must be dealt with if the church is to be blameless and pure and without fault in its external witness to the world. Paul commanded the Philippians to abandon such things so as to promote unity. Salvation also looks like this in our lives. We must live clean, innocent lives. Paul said in verse 15, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. By reflecting God's character through their conduct, believers stand out against the darkness of the world and reveal the transformative power of the gospel. I'm going to say that again. By reflecting God's character through their conduct, believers stand out against the darkness of the world and reveal the transformative power of the gospel. When Christians behave in this way, they shine like bright stars in a dark, lost, and dying world. And that is exactly what the world needs from the church right now. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then when I come and see you again, or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. And lastly, salvation is lived out this way holding firmly to the word of life. In verse 16, Paul said, hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. This means to hold on to Jesus, who is the word of life. That's another name for Jesus, the word of life. When we do, We can do this by reading our Bible, being in a community of godly people and learning from each other, and then understanding how Jesus lived. Don't compromise here, saying that it's okay to do this or that. You know, it's okay if I go and do this, or it's okay if I don't go and do that, even though we know that really is not what God wants us to do. Again, what kind of witness is that to the rest of the world? We are to be a light, and the only way to do that is to live like Jesus. One of my commentaries put it this way. God's good will to us is the cause of his good work in us. Do your duty without murmurings. Do it and do not find fault with it. Mind your work and do not quarrel with it. By peaceableness, give no just occasion for offense. The children of God should differ from the sons of men. More, the more perverse others are, the more careful we should be to keep ourselves blameless and harmless. The doctrine and example of consistent Believers will enlighten others and direct their way to Christ and holiness, even as a lighthouse warns mariners to avoid rocks and directs their course into the harbor. Let us try thus to shine. When Paul says, work out your salvation, the Greek word he uses for work out is, I'm going to try to say this, katergazomai, I believe that's how you say it, (laughs) which always has the idea of bringing to completion, bringing to completion. It's as if Paul is saying, don't stop halfway. Go until the work of salvation is fully achieved in you. No Christian should be satisfied with anything less than the total benefits of the gospel. No Christian should be satisfied with anything less than the total benefits of the gospel. We have a purpose to achieve. Not to achieve salvation on our own, but to allow God to come into our lives and do a work in us so we can shine bright like stars in the sky so those outside of the church can see His light and then come to know My second point today is that we have the power to receive. We have the power to receive. Let's read verse 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So we just talked about how we have the power to achieve our salvation, meaning that God gives it to us and we achieve it by him giving it to us. We cannot achieve it on our own. But then we have to actually receive it. We have to be willing to take the salvation that God is freely giving and then live it out in our lives. If my parents tried to give me the laptop or my brother, Jake, but we didn't receive it, then it's not really ours, is it? Like, it's not like we're, li- we're using the laptop or loving the dog, then. It's not really ours. God provides it, but we have to receive it. We have to receive salvation. And when we do receive salvation, we must work it out, suggesting that it must be continually lived out. You'll hear that word a lot today, continually. I mean, like I said earlier, it's great to be saved, but getting saved is not a get out of hell free card. It's not. It is not the po- That is not the point of the gospel. Not by a long shot. The point of the gospel of what Jesus did on the cross and when he rose again was to bring heaven to earth so that the whole world can know that we have a new, meaningful, righteous life with Jesus, which again he freely wants to give to everyone no matter what you have done throughout your life. You have the chance to receive this. All you have to do is just actually take it. And in order for us to adequately spread the gospel to the world, we have the responsibility to work it out for ourselves. It is God's responsibility to give the salvation, but it is our responsibility to live it out continuously when we do decide to receive it. You see, Paul encouraged the Philippians to continue pursuing God's transformative work in their lives. Again, the Christian life, is not a one and done. But we are to continually live it out, continue to grow in it, and continue to share it with others. The Christian life is not a one and done. The idea is that since God has done and is doing the work in the Christian, the Christian therefore has a responsibility to work diligently with fear and trembling regarding his own salvation and walk with the Lord, a respect towards God and respect towards the salvation that God has given us. God, God's work in us increases our responsibility, doesn't lessen it in any way. Just because God is working in us doesn't mean that we just have to sit here and do nothing. God wants us to take the step forward, but he also wants us to lean on him and say, okay, God, when I take this step, is this where you want me to go? or block this step if this is not where you want me to go. Guide me here. Those that are really God's servants use their understanding of his sovereignty and omnipotence as a motivation for greater, more dedicated service to him. Think about it this way, okay? I know how to play the piano. And when I say no, I mean I have a very, very basic understanding of how to play. So, Alex, don't ask me to be on the worship team because I'll mess it all up. <laughs> when I was given or received lessons uh, when I, until I was about 12 or 13 years old, so I, I was taking them for about four years in total anyway. But then I quit, I didn't receive those lessons anymore. And even though I still know how to play the piano, I haven't grown in it at all in these last 15 years. I allowed myself at that time to be content at the level that I was at, and honestly, I've lost a lot of the knowledge because I have not consistently practiced it. And I will not get any better unless I go back and practice it continually on a regular basis. And it is the same with our new lives with Jesus. Christians must give continual evidence in their daily lives that they are indeed working out their salvation. Day by day, it must be more fully accomplished. The great tragedy of so many of us is that we are never really any further on. We become victims of the same habits slaves of the same temptations, and guilty of the same failures. But the truly Christian life must be a continual process. Keep practicing, for it is a journey towards God. We could come up to the front and say a prayer and become saved, and then that's it. But then not live out any of that life change that is given to us. That is not what the gospel is all about. When we receive our new lives, they need to be lived out fully. And we need to continually grow in our knowledge of Jesus and his word of the Bible. We, ne- we have the power to receive this salvation and live it out. To work out our salvation daily. We just need to actually take the steps to do this and allow God to guide us through it without, throughout this journey. So this morning so far we've realized that we have a purpose to achieve, which means God wants to come into our lives, save and change us, and we have the power to receive, which means that we actually have to allow God to do all of this and then take the necessary steps towards growth each and every day. And lastly, we have the promise to believe verse 16 to 18 says this hold firmly to the word of life then on the day of christ's return i will be proud that i did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless but i will rejoice even if i lose my life remember paul was in prison here and he could die because he's spreading the gospel but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want you all to share that joy. Yes, you, will re- you should rejoice and I will share your joy. Paul emphasizes in these three verses that, we, that if we hold firmly to Jesus, then no matter what we go through, good times or bad times, disappointments, struggles, hardships, we will find joy in Jesus if we hold on to Jesus throughout it all and trust him that he has a plan. We may not always be happy. Happiness and joy are two different things. Happiness is an emotion that can change, but joy is saying, I know that God is going to help me through this, and he he is helping me through this, so I have joy in the Lord. Even though I may not be happy on the outside, I have joy in what Jesus is going to do. We believe we need to believe that Jesus has given us salvation, that we do not need to be punished for our sins if we ask him for forgiveness, and then that he has given us a new life because of his life and death. We need to believe, we need to believe this. It's easy to say that we believe it, but we really need to live it out, to believe it, to really internalize it. The joy that comes from Jesus is a present reality and it comes through sacrifice and service. Joy in Jesus comes through sacrifice and service. It is remarkable that in these verses that we've just read that discusses sacrifice, Paul used the words joy and rejoice and repeated them even though he's in prison. Most people would associate sorrow with suffering. But Paul saw suffering and sacrifice as doorways to a deeper joy with Christ. It was possible that Paul's trial would go against him and that he would be executed, but this did not rob Paul of his joy. Paul's life was going to be a sacrifice for Jesus Christ, either in life or in death. He will, Either way, he was content. Because he continuously lived in everything he did and taught others to do the same, he lived for Jesus in everything that he did. His life was not wasted when he became a Christian. But he devoted and used it entirely for Jesus' plans. And that was a source of gladness and joy for Paul. And he wanted the Philippians to adopt the same attitude Paul's death would be a willing sacrifice, a priestly ministry on behalf of Christ and his church. And this would give Paul joy. So think about it this way. When people are asked what they believe in, they give not merely different answers, but different sorts of answers. Let me me explain it this way. Someone might say, I believe in UFOs. And this means they think UFOs are real. I believe in democracy, someone else might say. And they think democratic principles are just and beneficial. But what does it mean when Christian congregations stand and say, I believe in God? What did we just sing at the beginning of this service? We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. What does that mean when we all stand together and say we believe in God? It means far more than when the object of belief is UFOs or democracy. I, be, I can believe in UFOs without ever actually seeing one, and in democracy without ever voting. In cases like these, belief is a matter of intellect only. But the Apostles' Creed, which that song was based off of, The opening words are, I believe in God. And this renders a Greek phrase coined by the writers of the New Testament. Meaning, literally, I am believing into God. So that is to say, over over and above believing certain truths about God, I am living in a relation of commitment to God in trust and union. When we say, I believe in God, when we sing that song, we are professing our conviction that God has invited us to this commitment and declaring that we have accepted his invitation. It should not be just mere words. These are powerful words from this song, and even the opening video after I did the announcements saying that, I believe in God the Father. They are powerful words. They are not to be taken lightly. And we need to believe in what we are saying. Really live it out. We must believe that God's promises are true and that they are going to work out in our lives just like they did in Paul's life. God works in us through the Word, through the Bible, through prayer and suffering, and we are to work out, to live it out, in our daily lives and living and service. God fulfills his purposes in us as we receive and believe his word in Jesus. Life is not a series of disappointing ups and downs. It's not like it doesn't have to be like a roller coaster, but rather is a sequence of delightful ins and outs. God works in, we work out. So let's recap for today. We have a purpose to achieve, an open invitation from God to make him Lord over our life. We have the power to receive, the option to either take this invitation or reject it, and a promise to believe believing in who Jesus is and what he has done, and finding our joy in him even when things go sour. Here are my questions for you today. Are you living these three points out? There's an outline in the back. Take it home with you and try to live out these three points. If you are not, what's stopping you? What's stopping you guys today? Is there someone or something stopping you from achieving and receiving and believing what God has done for us? And if you are living these out, how can you go deeper with them? How can you actually live this out even more? How can you help more people come to know Jesus? How can you become more like Jesus so other people will know Jesus? It starts with us. so important. Really think about these questions this week and just do something with them. My brother Brad and I did not earn our parents' love. They instantly loved us the moment that they saw us. And they gave us gifts, not because we did something right, because we did a lot of things wrong, but because of their unconditional love for us. And that's the same with God. We have all made so many different mistakes. All of us have made mistakes. And yet God gave us the gift of salvation even though really we don't deserve it. He freely gave us all salvation and it's up to us to receive it, to work it out, to live it every single day. And we also have to really believe in what God has done. Really believe when we sing that song so others can know him as well. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for giving us salvation. For our per- thank you for making our purpose, each and every one of us, to live like and for you so that we can become more like you and then also help others come to know you as well. God, that is an amazing purpose in our lives. Help us not to take this lightly, but for us to see you realize that you are giving us this salvation, this gift, for us to receive it, and then also really to believe it, to live it out every single day. God, please be with everyone here. You know what they're going through. You know what circumstances are happening in their lives. And I just ask that you please give them peace and comfort and guidance and bring people around them, a community of Christ followers, to help them through this time. God, thank you that you loved us so much, that you did all of this. And help us again, not to take it lightly, but for us to live it out. We love you so much, dear God. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.